Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Something to Talk About. I'm Randy Wartelski, right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Few actors can say they've had a chance to star in a feature film. More so, talented young women in the Frum community often feel there's no real place to share their love of the stage. Parents feel their children's ambitions hampered and their singing better off sharing at home. While one woman offers talented girls and women of all ages the chance of a lifetime, to explore their talents in a professional way, whether it be singing, acting, dancing, and in the most glorious of places, Los Angeles, California, home to Hollywood. But Robin Sachs-Garbos isn't just a theater director. As you'll hear in a few moments, her work emanates from the spiritual. Even if it causes a stir, Robin pushes forth, promoting what she believes in and giving women and girls the chance to perform their talents in a halachic, yet very professional way. Robin Garbos is a graduate of Brown University, began directing her directing career in theater in New York and Los Angeles. Robin has directed some 40 plays at theaters, including Ensemble Studio Theater, Naked Angels, Jewish Repertory Theater, Manhattan Punchline, Juilliard Theater Center, and the Odyssey Theater. Her television credits include, some of us might recognize these shows, Head of the Class and America's Most Wanted, where she directed numerous film reenactments, and she'll tell us about that in a little bit. Robin also co-wrote the screenplay The Spark about a Jewish girl's search for faith, which was selected to participate in the Sundance Institute Writers Lab. Robin's also going to tell us about some of her groundbreaking feature films, A Light for Grey Towers and The Heart That Sings, intended for audiences of women and girls, and of course her journey from where she started to how she got there. Robin lives in L.A. with her husband, Levi Yitzchak, and their two children. Robin, thank you so much for joining us today. Wow, Randy, thank you. Great introduction. (laughs) So tell us, what was it like growing up for you in Holyoke, Massachusetts? (laughs) Well, my life growing up was very different in many ways from my life today. um, We grew up as conservative Jews. And, you know, thank God I had a very strong Jewish identity. My parents were very philanthropic and, you know, Zionist. I went to Hebrew school, but, you know, I also went to a very waspy prep school, Williston Academy. And, you know, I lived in the five college area. So I was like this mixture of like the most evolved culture and educational opportunities. So in a certain way, I, I had this unbelievable background, educational background, really like, you know, the creme de la creme, mm-hmm. you know, culminating in getting in going to Brown. Um, and, and again, it was a very strong Jewish identity, but very little real Torah. And also, I think, in a sense, a certain social confusion, like, why don't I totally fit in and feel comfortable here? What's wrong with this picture? And I think I always got it on a certain level that it had, it, I knew it had to do with being Jewish, but, you know, it wasn't until really years later that I became a Balchuva and I, I saw things through a different lens. And as a child, were you a singer? Were you an actress? Did you, did you always enjoy the yeah. stage? <laughs> so my mother put me into a theater camp when I was about six and I fell in love with the stage and really never deviated 
from my love of acting. I, you know, we did lots of musicals. But the truth of the matter is, actually, I start. I directed my first play in the second grade. Wow! And uh, when I was seven, I was I was at a public school at that time, and it was um, the holiday season, and I felt that there should be a Jewish play as well. So I asked, you know, my teacher and the principal if I could get all the Jewish kids together and do a Hanukkah play, which I directed and actually arranged to tour all the classrooms in my school. And I I tell people this, it's a very cute story, but on a deeper level, it's an amazing story because I had a vision that young and was given the opportunity to actualize it. And I am certain that that experience very early on contributed, you know, later on in my life to feeling like, you know, I can do whatever I want. I can I can actualize my vision. And, uh, you know, and then I directed in high school um, and, of course, in college is when I really discovered this is who and what I am. You yeah, know, and kudos, I directed a, yeah, kudos to your teachers in second grade who took you seriously yes. then. I remember her, in fact, her name was Miss Griffin, and she actually came to see me in my summer theater play at Mount Tom Theater. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it was neat. Playhouse. Because, you know, it's it's all about, and, and this is, you know, you'll tell us in a little bit about your work in the summers and what you do for young women. It's all about having the opportunity, right? It, that's correct. And I think it's also about, once you've been given that opportunity, it's about giving back. You know, I really feel I, I honor, you know, chinuch and the, the professions of teaching so much, and I feel like our society has to really get to that place, too, where, where good, real teachers are, are valued as they should be, you know. And also, really, the connection... I also feel that everything I do as far as the performing arts is they're tools that people can use in, you know, in many different disciplines and, you know, especially for teachers. So, um, you know, a lot of a lot of young women who come to my program in the summer, parents ask me or teachers ask me, well, what what are they going to do with this? And I think that the young women that feel really passionate, like the way I was, well, you know, we can talk about that. But other girls who feel like this is something I love and just want to explore, I really feel that it's their skills, it's an experience that will impact them in a positive way for the rest of their lives. Yeah, it's interesting. It reminds me of a story. I heard of a of a young girl who was given a solo in a school production, and she desperately did not want to do the solo, but her parents were really encouraging her, and they said, you know, if you do the solo, we're going to buy you such and such a thing, whatever the prize was. And I was kind of like, you know what, guys? The solo is the prize. She doesn't need a prize for doing the solo. you know. And, right. And maybe in much the same way, the girls who come to your program, you know, and, and of course, we'll tell our listeners a little bit more about that in a couple of minutes, um, you know, maybe the program is what you're doing with that. Maybe that's it. Oh, 100%. I, I can tell you stories upon stories of the most amazing breakthroughs I've seen that young women have had overcoming real obstacles. 
And I meet them later on, you know, down the road in their lives, and I just, they're so grateful that they had that experience, and I've heard it dozens of times. And honestly, since, you know, it's so hard to, to keep this level of excellence in a summer program, and it's not like, you know, we're the recipients of multiple grants, and like, you know, we're up there with, with like, you know, the big yeshivas and Beaker Holam in terms of, of, of seeing us as a legitimate you know, said, but <laughs> it's uh, like, so we don't necessarily have the support we need, but I know that what we're doing, like, this is what makes it worthwhile when I hear these stories, you know, from girls after they've gone through the program. And, uh, yeah, it's, I, I feel that it's so essential, and it's a, it's a tool for chinuch that is just being discovered, and it has to be in the boys' schools, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you tell me if this is where you want to go, but, you know, just to sort of say one thing, through the process of acting, whether it's plays, films, creating a character, in all of its components, the truth of acting and the creative process is that it brings something to life. It brings it into a three-dimensional form. And it's something, it's so powerful, and it can penetrate the deepest, you know, places within ourselves, in our souls, you know, in our hearts. And I can tell you that I remember every play I did growing up. I Mm -hmm. remember every lyric from every musical I did. And if I'm saying this today, all these decades, you know, down the road... I know that this is true of, of you know, the, the young people that I work with. And so let's give them these incredible stories, stories of, of tzaddikim for them to internalize and let them bring what they're learning in school, whether it's Gemara, whether it's Chumash, you know, whether it's great Jewish stories, whatever it is, bring it to life through, through art. Right. What... Speaking of bringing it through art, and I know we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but we're here in this part of the conversation, and I feel that it's, you know, such a great thing to share with our listeners. What are some of the things that you write about in the screenplays that you write and the screenplays that you produce and the work that you do? Well, you know, the thing is that I, what you learn to understand about whether it's theater, whether it's film, it's, these are the arts. Of, of storytelling through, you know, in a visual way, um, it can use song, it can, but it's really about storytelling. So I am attracted to stories. It, first of all, it has to, re- something has to really deeply resonate with me. And once it does, I go, as a director, I go through a process where if I can visualize it, and I don't mean just like, in an airy way, like, oh, I have this feeling. I mean, like, nuts and bolts. I can visualize how to make it, you know, what this, and I get excited about what the story is trying, the message, message it's, it's conveying, the emotional experience of going through it. You know, that's when I get really excited and say, this is something I know I'm supposed to do. So it's a very organic creative process for me. I am definitely attracted to stories. I see a theme in my work which is which has to do with faith. It's it's either, you know, fighting for one's faith, it's a, a struggle with faith, it's um 
help, you know, somebody in it goes through some kind of, right now, whether it's a crisis of faith or, you know, this is this just seems to be um, a theme in everything that I'm, I'm drawn to. Um, in a light for gray towers, you know, a, a Jewish girl is abandoned in an in an orphanage in Victorian England, and she, there's a mean matron who despises religion, and she has to fight this, you know, against overwhelming odds to keep her faith. And once she decides to go beyond herself and beyond her own comfort zone, Hashem opens up these gateways to her about how big her mission really is and gives her, you know, the power to, to overcome and persevere. This is a story that I feel is so important and inspiring to tell, you know. So in, in The Heart That Sings, it's different. It's a softer, quieter, you know, uh, uh, unfolding. And it's, you know, a, a young woman who, a, a broken-hearted orphan from the Holocaust. I would also say for me personally that the theme of, you know, of that, that the Holocaust, is something I've had to, I've spent a lot of my life reading about, thinking about, contemplating, and I feel that it's such a a, a deep and, and current experience, and our lives today are about so much of where we need to go as a society is, is, is rooted in processing that experience. So it, it definitely has a voice in a lot of my work. Do you think that yeah. when you talk about these topics of faith and Holocaust, these are topics that are very difficult, you know, for anyone to comprehend in a general sense. But sometimes when you bring these ideas forth in a film, you could almost say something in a film that you can't really teach in a classroom or you can't impart in, you know, in a logical way. What do you hope 100%. that people will walk away from when they view your films? Um, I, I hope that the, the real goal, the real mission is to bring people closer to Hashem through art, through film. I think um, whether it's all of us who are participating in the creation of the film or and as well as our audience, and that's really what my voice is dedicated to. And I feel that my film's what I do, though I may have characters that aren't Jewish, I may have characters that aren't religious, that everything I do is is deeply, you know, rooted in in Yiddishkeit and um, making a Kiddush Hashem. It's there's two. It's you know making a Kiddush Hashem through art that it you know that film can be that film and and art and media you know, by themselves, they're neutral. It's what the artist and maker does with, with them. And uh, so, you know, the, the concept of, um, you know, dear betachtonim, of, of creating a dwelling place for Hashem in this world, I see it through art, through film more specifically. And has this journey through your films, has, has that resonated with you and have you learned from, from all of this as well? 
Oh, you mean in terms of my own spiritual? Yeah, you personally. When, yeah, when you're working on a project and you're delving into these topics of faith and Holocaust and belief and um, you know things like that, uh, do you learn something oh, yes, from that you as ask well? Such great questions, <laughs> because you know, really amazingly, my my becoming. You know, it's, it's about 23 years ago that I began this specific journey of becoming. Balchuva and became Shomer Shabbos, and it all began with a creative project with a screenplay that I, God willing, am finally going to get to make this movie this year. It's called The Spark, but I started it, you know, over two decades wow. ago. Wow! And the actual process of researching this script is what catapulted my journey my spiritual journey, and I realized that just me going, it began with my looking heavenward and asking, you know, Hashem, as I understood him at that time, which was not as a religious person, you know, if I could make a movie about anything in the world, what's the most important thing to me? And what came up for me was was being Jewish. And going more deeply into that, this story about it really, the, the spark is about a young girl who is having a crisis of faith, whose grandfather is a Holocaust survivor, and she knows absolutely nothing about her heritage. And that's really where the, the film starts. And, you know, it's ironic because that ended up being the sort of gateway for me to really discover the metaphysical spiritual world of my heritage and that you know completely transformed my life so i feel that every project i take on absolutely there's something there's a voice in me that wants to go on this journey personally as well right. and uh you know the, the beauty is that with each project my craft grows you know so i become a better director but deaf and i i think i definitely you know, just my inspiration only grows. It's it's really an amazing um, privilege to have arrived at this place, you know, in my life, and my career, you know, as an artist. Right, right. Thank God. <laughs> and, like and you know, while you're on this movie-making journey and you're telling these stories, unlike other Jewish films, all of your films have all Jewish actors? Or not necessarily? So, no, not, you know, I would, uh, not necessarily in Operation Candlelight, our new film, um, I have a, there, not everybody is Jewish. Most of the actors are. Um, only because there's a character that shouldn't be. And so, you know, I've, I've brought certain friends in who are just great actors. And, um, but mostly in, in the films through Kol Neshama, the Spark is different from my first films in that it's for general audiences. So I should just explain one thing is that the films that we create through our company called Nishama are intended for audiences of, of women and girls and really have a certain um, hushkafic rating, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, But The Spark is a different project, and that is really intended for Kiruv. It's, it's for general audiences, and it's, um, you know, it's to bring this story and Jewish characters to the world, because I think, 
you know, for me, I feel that, especially when you're dealing, it's very, very interesting, when you're dealing with the Holocaust, there have been a number of films made on this on the subject, and in almost every one I have seen, whenever a religious Jew is depicted, it's like a cartoon. It's not accurate. And I think, where are the rabbis? Like, didn't the filmmakers, like, <laughs> bring some, some, you know, from people on set to consult with? Right. And, and it really upsets me because so much of that story is about religious Jews. And right. so. And I think audiences I, feel that too. They do, and especially when anybody who is observant sees these films, I'm sure, like me, they cringe, right. you know, and you see how somebody dobbins and they're putting on tefillin wrong or they're lighting or they're messing up the, you know, just basic, like, 101. It, you know, on a deeper level, to really depict those characters and that experience from the inside, you have to know it. Right. And he, I am one of the only filmmakers you know, in the world, one of the very few that knows it from the inside and lives it. And so I feel that 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 I have also a certain almost obligation, you know, in my work, I, I it's something that I very, very much want to do. I want to put those characters in a true and authentic light out there for the world. Right. And I think audiences appreciate that. I mean, there's a a photo that's been going around of a scene in a network uh, production just very recently that had a poster in the background with Hebrew letters. Now, I didn't see the show. I didn't even know what the show was. Oh, I know, because it's it's Trachut Vitzayngut. The, the, I know it's it's from um I know what it's from it's from a single that the show about the two girls and there was something they, where the Hebrew was like flipped and the and the Hebrew doesn't read on the screen oh. uh, an actual word and if you read it backwards it was like a poster of a a Kennedy poster running you know an old Kennedy poster oh. running for president and it's like it says Kennedy Lenasi backwards like from left to right instead of from right to left like you can see that it was totally flipped and it's like gosh if they just would have asked someone <laughs> to to double check that they wouldn't have made that mistake in their show so i, I think that That's audiences really, really really appreciate you know authenticity and you know moving toward that really could walk away with something even stronger if they feel that there is authenticity in the film you know, just the Absolutely. way that you're presenting it. Okay, well, Robin, we do want to tell our audiences about Kol Neshama, but we're going to take a short break, and we're going to hear a little bit more about Robin's awesome summer program and the films that come out of it called Kol Neshama. So we'll be back with more of something to talk about right after this. Oh. 
Bichol Nafshi, a beautiful selection sung by all-female singing group Shiraz, and that's from the Voices of Israel women's album, Keeping the Faith, that came out a couple of years ago, and that's a wonderful selection. Welcome back to Something to Talk About. I'm Randy Wartelski, and I'm sitting here today with Robin Garbos, theater director extraordinaire, movie director extraordinaire, who offers young women and girls a chance to explore their own ambitions and their own talents in the same way that she has been able to all these years. Robin, thanks again for being here today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Tell us about your summer program, Kol Neshama, and how that got started. Sure. Um, Well, in my 20s, when I was living in New York, I had, um, you know, I I was directing a lot of plays, and I had the opportunity to direct a number of uh, major productions at Juilliard and then later at NYU, both undergraduate and graduate. And I really had had, I was very involved with the conservatories, you know, the great art, uh, performing arts conservatories um, in the world. And uh, I, so I had, I understood how, you know, it was an incredibly exciting environment. And when I became Balas Chuva, I met, I began meeting young women um, around Shabbos tables who were incredibly talented, and I saw that there was there were just no opportunities out there um, for serious artistic development. And you know, coming from the background that I came from, having been involved with like two of the, you know, I mean, several of the, the really top schools, I the idea was to create a sort of Jewish Juilliard that would really give them an opportunity to study craft in a in a in a, a, a very high level way but would also be um you know a, an a environment that was appropriate for um you know young women who were observant and so the idea really was to I- integrate um like learning and davening with classes and singing, dancing and acting and, and each. And, and then, uh, you know, the program kind of, the program evolved. We began, this will be our 15th summer. We wow. began in the summer of 2000. And um, the first year, we, the program culminated in an evening of one X. And in subsequent years, we did we did that again, and then we began to do some full-length musicals. We did a Light for Grey Towers on stage our third summer. Um, and then in the summer of 2004, I had this idea to um, create a, a feature film for women only. And it was really, you know, also at the time that it, it was just beginning to happen, that other filmmakers in Israel, there, there were women's films that were coming out, not by, they were coming out of, like, the Haredi world, and the, the, the difference is that the filmmakers were eager and passionate, but none of them had any formal training. Mm-hmm. And so I was really trying to, our program began by, you know, with the idea of, of giving these tools to young women, and they should then go off into their communities and become community leaders to, you know, hire up the bar at the, the high school production, right. create more dance concerts, 
you know, do evenings, like really, and see how far one can take this. And um, so, th- so you know, each we've really grown. Uh, I would say that in the beginning there was some skepticism about what we were doing because here we are also in Los Angeles in Hollywood, and you know, from people are are understandably, con- you know, that that could be a concern and was, um, but I, I think that we were so strong in our own dedication to, you know, our, to, to, uh, to Yiddishkeit and, uh, and Sneas and, and the Hashgafa of the program that people soon began to see rabbis, communities, that the women, the young women who were going through the program were coming out of it, not just with new skills, but with a renewed, like, spiritual inspiration. Right. You know, go, having had an experience where their Yiddishkeit and Frumkeit was deepened as well. And so that was really, really, like, the win-win for me. Um, because that's, I think, what I really believe is that, you know, art comes from the soul. And so there's this real connection between one's becoming closer to, to to God, to Hashem, and to you know, to understanding and wanting to do mitzvahs, and one's creative development. They um, they really are. They really can merge. Yeah, and I think you know, being so close to Hollywood is part of all the, you know, there's something just different about being so close to Hollywood and being in a film versus you know, being in a film in you know, some other part of the country. I mean, there's such excitement about that. And the fact that you can do that in, you know, a respectful, religious, you know, uh, high-mish way, so to speak, I think is, um, you know, is a credit to you. It's incredible. (laughs) And it's a credit to you. You I had a chance to view uh, parts of the film, The Heart That Sings. And it actually was was one of the reasons why I signed up to join your your mailing list and subsequently led eventually to this interview because I was so amazed by the level of talent that was portrayed in that film. And watching the film, I mean, you could feel like you're watching a a regular film, you know, like any other movie that comes out. It, It was so well done and so professional, and this high level of talent was just amazing to me. How do people get into the program? What's the process? Well, well, first, if I could just mention, just address something you said. What's really wonderful about and unique about Los Angeles? I mean, it, it, I'm here because I came out here to move from theater into film, and you find that the Bale Chuba who are in the entertainment industry are you know, people who really discovered Yiddishkeit out here as they were working. Interesting. So there's so many resources that are unique and available to us here. There's the studios. There's, you know, it's just, it, it, there are women like Judy Weingard and Julia Bloom who were working professionally and became, you know, Bali Chuva. So there's, there's uh, in terms of the adult talent they're all people who were working professionally mm-hmm. and um, you know and that's why they're here so to to get into Kolnishama Kolnishama is like a magnet I think that it we depend a lot um, on word of mouth and the young women all over the world who this is their love this is their passion 
when they hear about our program, it's like their eyes light up and right. like this is what they have to do. <laughs> and I can always tell a girl, you know, who, who's like a Kolnishama girl who should be here with us um, because I was that way with that burning desire myself growing up. And so I, I recognize it right away. But what I'm looking, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for girls who are from, and because they're from, they can't do other programs, and they come, and that really it's not about, unlike Juilliard, it's not based on talent to get in, it's based on enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. I want girls who love being Jewish, you know, and really are excited that such a program exists. That's what we're looking for. Right. By the way, we should, we should tell people about your website, kolneshama.org, K-O-L-N-E-S-H-A-M-A.org, and they can find out more information there, you know, on your website. So is there, exactly. what can the girls expect when they come to Kolneshama? It's, it's an exciting, um, intense experience. It's, it's, you know, for a girl who loves to dance, for a girl who loves to sing, and, of course, everybody always loves to act, this is the program for them. Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's my, I have a staff of incredible teachers, um, you know, all at a real, you know, in, very accomplished themselves who've all danced or sung or performed professionally. And at the same time, you know, we're also really serious about our that the learning, that Torah learning, and you know, the the spiritual enrichment and enlivening be fully integrated into the program. So, you know, the tzniyas, I girls have to sign a tzniyas contract, mm -hmm. and um, uh, so they can expect that. But I I personally interview. Everybody who applies on the phone, um, I think that what happens also that's it's not we call it a camp, but it's really more of a program than a camp. I mean, there are fun camp activities like swimming and trips and but it's not about those things. It's about the singing, dancing, and acting, and then we create something. And every summer has been different. I really, um, some summers we do plays, some summers videos, and you know some summers feature films. It's um, it depends on where you know what 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 feels right and where we're at as a program, and and really what inspires me, like where what I get excited about <laughs> wanting to do. Right. You know, whenever you, I, whenever you get together, um, very talented people. So much as they don't want to be competitive, there's bound to be some sort of competition between who gets what part and how many right. words you got and how many lines you got. How do you keep the environment non-competitive? Well, I, I delay casting, announcing the casting as much as possible. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, because first I want to create a company, an ensemble. Right. And uh, I... I I think that the first step is in an acting class, the most important thing is that a person feels safe to be vulnerable, that you can make a fool out of yourself, that you can get up on stage and you will be supported by the other girls in the class, by the audience. 
So I teach that idea immediately right off the bat. And, you know, every year it's the same thing. It automatically shifts into that. Girls want to be that way. And when you go up and you have to sing in front of everybody else, (laughs) you know, and you feel suddenly like, you know, traumatized by it, but you look out into a sea of loving and supportive faces who are going to applaud you, you know, it, it changes, it, it's a, it can be a life-changing moment. I'm sure. And certainly a memorable one, and I know that. And so we set up that environment with my staff, um, with me. You know, it's just how it works. And at the very end of the summer, I end the summer by doing a big circle, and we have a big share session. Mm-hmm. And every year it's the same thing, like girls just cannot believe like the bond and the love and the friendships that um, have evolved in such a short time. Now, when the actual, I prep everybody, I know there is no way when a cast list goes up <laughs> that you can avoid disappointment and tears. Right. Um, and, and I will also, but I also tell the girls, even though I have to tell them about 10 times, but you don't know what this show is or what your part really is. Right. And we have a saying in the theater, there are no small parts, only small actors. Right. You know, that, that somebody can have the lead role and be totally boring, and somebody else could have one scene and steal the show. Right. I think so, there's also a certain um, a certain positive to people recognizing where they fit into the group. Like, Maybe I want to be that character, but maybe I'm better suited for this one because this is who I am and this is who, you know, just a, a realization of who you are and where you fit in is is a very important lesson. It's true. But, you know, it doesn't mean that that person doesn't have, um, you know, isn't, isn't uh, um, versatile. Right. You know, and can't in another production play, like maybe in this one they got cast in a character part. And the next production they can play the ingenue, or the mm-hmm. next production they can play the leading lady. You know, maybe somebody really is will never be a leading lady, and they wake up to the fact that they're really, you know, they're really funny, <laughs> and they really have a great time in in these comedic roles. Now, I think it's always interesting. I mean, it's a big debate anywhere. You know, casting against type, going with type. I think that as as I, one thing I tell the young, the, the the girls who come to the program, don't think you know yourself. Be open. My joy in life is to introduce a young woman to a facet of her personality that or talent that she never knew she had. Mm. You know, somebody who was terrified of singing, and maybe they have a little bit of a a pitch issue. And as soon as you fix that pitch issue suddenly this voice comes out of them mm-hmm. and they discover that they really can sing and not only that they love to sing and then the next summer they come back and they are singing i mean i've seen this a dozen times right what happens when the girls go home after this summer of self-awareness and self-discovery and amazing bonds and friendships then they leave what what happens when right. they go home well tears <laughs> of course but you know, I think the idea of summer camp, the the most important part of it, 
is that they should come back renewed and inspired so that they can be successful during the year. And that's really how I measure my success or our success, is are they going back into the year um, new and renewed? And um, I, the, the, I get, thank God, I get reports from educators from schools who thank me. They say, I can't believe what happened to her during this experience, to wow. this student or that student. So I've, I've had really, Baruch Hashem, you know, we've just had great success with it's the amazing. program. I think that, you know, the really, truly, we have one problem. <laughs> one problem only, and it really has to do with funding and with people under, you know, getting that this is, they get that it's important, but they don't get how important it is. And so I haven't, um, you know, we really struggle with, you know, to, to achieve this level also in terms of quality with the work is not cheap. It, it really, and so that's really, it's really on that front that we need help and creative ideas on how to do that kind of outreach right. so that we, we really are funded. It is very noble to be a supporter of the arts as well. And I think you're right that people don't always put that as number one on their tzedakah giving list. But, um, you know, supporting of the arts is, is very, very important. And especially, you know, in your, um, the themes of your films, they're, you know, life-changing. Life-changing. Exactly. What and age, I, by the way, is your camp open to, your program? Um, fourth grade through 12th. You know, it's, it's, um, it's really like, you know, 10, 10, a mature 10-year-old, and it's really ideal for bas mitzvah through 12th. Mm-hmm. Okay. But so, we will take mature 10 and 11-year-olds. And they have to be able to fly to California by themselves too, <laughs> or they, you know, they go as an accompanied minor. It's, right. It's and and also we 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 get the girls together. Like we'll have a big group coming from New York. So, you know, the 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 parents of younger girls always contact the older girls, and we have somebody working with us who facilitates all of that. But we've had girls. You know, last summer we had two wonderful young women from France who came, and we had girls from Israel and from Canada. We've had from South America and all over the U.S. Wow, sounds amazing. And that that international component of the program is just the best. The other thing that's really unique about Kol Neshama is that people come from diverse backgrounds in terms of the, you know, Orthodox community as well. And I don't think you'll find it anywhere else um, quite like ours mm-hmm. because we really, people, because really it brings together what's the commonality, a love of the performing arts, right. you know. And so we really try and honor that. We have, you know, we have a very specific, as I mentioned earlier, um, we have rules in terms of sneas to keep it very comfortable for everybody. But I'll have girls who maybe come from a more modern background but they all have to agree to comply to the, you know, to those rules. Right. And I get girls from Hasidic backgrounds. I get, you know, Beis Yaakov, Chabad. It's it's um it's really wonderful as long as we're all on the same page, like in terms of res- respect of each other, which we make a very big deal about. Um, 
it's such a, a wonderful experience for the girls. Yeah, it, it sounds amazing. Getting back to how, you know, the cost of all of this, because, you know, every, ah. every quality project needs a, needs a great investor. What is your relationship with Kickstarter? How did you get involved in that? What is it? So we, thank you. This is really important because we're in the middle of our Kickstarter campaign for Operation Candlelight. Um, our new film that we finished, uh, that is, we finished principal photography um, in August, and we, it's in the can in Hollywood lingo. <laughs> um, and now we are are trying to raise raise completion costs um, to finish the film, which is editing and sound and special effects and color correction. Uh, it's it's the next several months of full-time work. Um, so we, I was told about Kickstarter in 2011, and what Kickstarter is, it's a um, crowdfunding platform. They create this space, this page on the internet for you to display your project, and it's a system where you have a certain number of days, they, they su- suggest 30, which is... Um, what we went with, um, and you have a goal, and you have to raise, it's an all or nothing mm. situation. You have to reach your goal, or you don't get any of it. Oh, no. And Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> That's the pressure of it. But that pressure hopefully works towards your favor, because people who find out about your project and care about your project, you know, the network extend, extends and people bring other people in. But here's the real you know, essence of it. We are not asking, it's not about asking for donations. It's about asking for pledges for what Kickstarter calls rewards. And what are rewards? Rewards are the things that you as a project can offer that your audience, that your constituency wants. So, and, and rewards start at very, they can start at $1, you know, and go all the way up to whatever um, people have raised really in the millions through Kickstarter. So in our case, with The Heart That Sings, we were, thank God, successful with our first campaign. And um, I was able to raise our completion costs. And, you know, the rewards consisted of DVDs, premiere tickets, the things that people are buying anyway. Right. But we offer not only the best prices, but but extra goodies that go along with it. Like if you're going to get a preferred seat to one of our four premieres in either Los Angeles, New York, London, or Jerusalem, um, you know, it will be $90 when we're selling the regular preferred seat tickets. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, with if you buy now through Kickstarter, you will also get a first, a special edition first-run DVD of Operation Candlelight months before its general release. You will get a really cool Operation Candlelight T-shirt and a signed Operation Candlelight movie poster, wow. uh, which was it's, which is really beautiful, designed by Menachem Krinsky, who's a really talented graphic artist. Um, so How do people find you on Kickstarter? You Kickstarter, and then you just put in Operation Candlelight, and we'll it's it's real easy. So you just you know Google Kickstarter, um, Kickstarter.com. And put in the search Operation Candlelight. And, and it is will the come target? Up. Or yeah, the ahead. easiest way 
is to go to our webpage, kolnashama.org, and it's right there. Okay. It's the featured, you know, the link to our Kickstarter page is what's, you know, blaring featured on our website. Okay, so we're going to encourage all our listeners to check you out on kolnashama.org and go to Kickstarter. Do we, is the target number a public number? Oh, it is, please. The target number is $36,000. Um, we are we have 18 days to go and we're about 10% funded. So this is when it kicks in, though. This is you know right now, it, it, like there's um right now it's about outreach and and incidentally I do would love to just say to your listeners that what's there on our Kickstarter page is our trailer for Operation Candlelight and I'm really excited about it. We've been getting great feedback about the trailer because this film. Even more so, I think, than the first two is it's a different genre. It's action-adventure as opposed – it's not a musical. Um, so it's sort of edge of your seat, but it's, um, it's really exciting, and I think our audience is just going to love it. It's about um, – it's set at a Torah Academy for Girls, a private boarding school in Hidden Hills, California, and it's set against the backdrop of their school pro- Hanukkah production – and it's about the group, this group of girls who kind of are, are unconventional misfits. Like, you know, they would be the third row. You don't see them in the big production kind of thing. And they end up becoming unlikely heroes um, when something, you know, when, they, uh, when an unexpected expected occurrence happens that really rocks their, their world. And um, it's really, we're really excited about it. So you can see that. You can also see the behind-the-scenes, a beautiful behind-the-scene montage um, that was done by our production intern, Atara Wolf, that will really show you what it's like to be on set um, with Kol Neshama. And it was, it's really a, a fabulous piece. We had a, an award-winning DP cinematographer um, who is the father of one of the campers in our program and is also a Balchuva named Duran Keat. And uh, because he, of his uh, uh, cinematography awards, we were sponsored by Panavision and Canon. And so we had this wow. really amazing techno crane for the. This is like a huge piece of technology that allowed us to do so much. It's really an, like what one would call an epic camera tool um, that just gave so much production value to the film, and we had it for the entire time, and it was donated by Panavision. Wow. Um, that's yeah, awesome. So that was really – I mean, that's, again, that's why being here in Los Angeles, like that's not going to happen mm-hmm. in, you know, in some other city, in Kansas right. City or something. You right. know what I mean? So, so um, yes. Yeah, yes. I did have a chance to view – of that trailer, and you are right that it does give you sort of an insider's look, you know, as to how the making of a film and how a film could come together and um, the mechanics of it, and it, it is really very, very, very cool to see. Thank you. It is very cool. Yes, thanks. That's um, yes, great. Robin, I want to take a step back to your own personal journey, and uh, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, you say there's a, a Balchuva community, so to speak, in L.A. of people who are giving back now to, you know, to the community and offering opportunities and whatnot. But what do you say to critics who say that your experience in your lifestyle before you became a Balat Chuva is something that 
we are not giving to our kids today because we're raising them in a more, you know, insulated lifestyle that maybe they won't have the chance to be exposed to the secular world in a way that could bring them to the journey that you had. What do you say to people like that? I think that's a great question. And I think that, I think it's, you know, again, what's important is to understand we're talking about tools here. And I think that it's wrong if somebody's born with a tremendous musical gift, it's wrong not to let them develop that gift to its maximum. And what I teach is that we use these gifts not to serve ourselves like the secular world shows, but to serve God. And so I know that I was born into the world that I was born into for a reason, and now I'm in this world you know, as a result of my journey. But I am here, my job, part of my job is to take the, that craft in a very real way that I was able to learn and now give it to the from community in a kosher way that's appropriate for them, but in no way lessens or minimizes the actual craft that is accessible to them. So I I think that that's the purpose of Kol Neshama, for instance. And I think that in all areas, we as Bali Chuva who have these things to offer, have to have to do that. I think that what you're talking about, there's a problem. I think that out-of-the-box thinkers, there are people, you know, in, in areas of, you know, whether it's Lakewood, Muncie, Borough Park, you know, Crown Heights, Brooklyn, wherever, you know, in these very big from communities, they can be very Hasidic, um, that get really because they've seen the films now first of all and they want it and they are less afraid of what it means they can see that excellence can be used and must be used you know to to make a kiddush hashem and with their you know values and and understanding of life and why we're here so you know i certainly think that the chabad world understands media and and how it can be utilized for the good. Um, I think that, and I think they do, you know, they really want the tools. So I don't think there's any problems really there. I think other communities are getting there. Um, and I really understand the fear and skepticism. Um, but you know, now for me, it's 15 years later, and I think people really trust the work that we're doing, and they see the results. Um, but I definitely feel for those people out there who are not being allowed to grow as artists who are so gifted, like, this is not okay as I see it. This is, you know... You, we have to understand Hashem gave us these things for a reason. And we, you have to embrace it with confidence. You know, my kids, for instance, people, do I, my kids are exposed to, to, to lots of things that maybe kids in other places are not in the from world. And if, if, you know, whether it's people who come to my house or things that I've allowed them to watch, you know, or relatives of theirs, whatever it is that they they, but they know because they they have grown up in a home that is so in love 
with with Yiddishkeit and everything Jewish and you know Hasidus and you know that they know they have the best lives in the world and so they're strong and they're strengthened by it and I want to give them everything every tool to make to, to, to be able to compete with anybody in the you know in the secular entertainment industry Right. And and that's something that you that you will give to your you know to the girls who come to your program as well, exactly. and, and through your films to the larger and audience. And empower. I think it's time to empower the from world. You know, it's a it probably it's you know it has to do with still being you know we're still in recovery mm-hmm. as a community. You know, it's it's still we're in recovery from from what happened during the Second World War and before. And, and so it's completely understandable. But I see that the future is about showing the beauty of Torah and, and, you know, and, that, and the truth, showing, showing the truth of Torah through the tools that exist in our modern world. Right. Well, Robin, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us and your expertise. I think we'd have to invite you back because we've, we have so much more to talk about, but unfortunately we're out of time. So <laughs> thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Randy. It would be my absolute pleasure. I'd love to come back. It was really special and delightful for me. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, if you have any questions or comments about today's program, please do email me at randy at com. Thanks so much for joining us today. Today, we hope we've given you something to talk about right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Listen up with Chaim Hagler is next. Let's give them something to talk about. Something to talk about. Let's 